family life can be both rewarding and frustrating. That is why we are here to strengthen families with quality information and support to meet the many challenges they face. Welcome to In Support of Families. Parents all over the world have been through the same trials that you are facing. Your host, Emma Lou Penrod, is here to help with valuable parenting tips for a happy, orderly home. Today, I have the opportunity to talk to Kayla Leah Rich. And I met her through a mutual friend. I'm going to tell you more about that later. But Kayla is a speaker, coach, and author. She's the Days for Girls Regional Director, and she's also part of the development team. Kayla, welcome. Thank you so much for having me this morning. I really appreciate you taking time to talk to me about something I'm so passionate about and sharing that with others. Well, tell us how you got started with Days for Girls. You know, a lot of times people kind of stumble into really good things. And I think that's how I ended up with Days for Girls. Uh, I had a girlfriend that I went to school with. um, And shortly after our high school reunion, she had put a post on social media about taking a trip to Haiti and invited anybody who wanted to come with her to go. And at the time she was struggling with cancer and really taking life with like both hands. And I wanted to do the same. And her post just was a magnet to me. I knew I had to go. I had never considered traveling before, but I I knew I needed to go to Haiti with my friend. Um, My experience in Haiti really opened my eyes to extreme poverty on a scale I'd never experienced before. Um, I'd I'd seen pockets of it as I traveled um, for leisure. And to see a whole country without infrastructure or systems of support and with basic needs being unmet for millions was rarely um, eye-opening, paradigm-shifting. It was, it was huge for me. And I didn't know what to do with all those feelings because I couldn't unsee and unfill what I was experiencing. But I knew that I wanted to do something about those feelings. And before my trip, somebody had mentioned an organization called Days for Girls. And I thought that it sounded interesting. I thought I would share it with others, but that was the limit of my involvement. I was a very busy mother of four, entrepreneur. I wasn't looking for any other projects. But after my visit with Haiti and realizing the need of women around the globe to have appropriate feminine supplies, to be able to take care of their monthly cycle something I had taken for granted my entire adult life was really extreme. And so realizing this need, having heard of this organization days for girls that helps girls capture their days back, even during menstruation. um, As I was returning from Haiti in the first few days of being in this fog of what do I do? um, It all kind of lined up together. And I know enough about sewing to be dangerous. And the Days for Girls kits um, are a kit of sewn, washable feminine supplies that can last a girl for three to five years for her period. And so I thought, well, I know enough about sewing to probably put it together. And I know enough about organizing people. I'm just going to make it my goal to take a thousand Days for Girls kits back to Haiti in one year's time. And At that point, I had never really seen a Days for Girls kit. I had no idea how big or small that goal was. I just knew that I had the desire. And sometimes that's all you have to have, right? Is the desire to work towards something bigger than yourself. 
Yes. So um, I started a chapter of Days for Girls in my community and started organizing um, sewists and materials and got to work. I was able to return just five months later to Haiti with um, 646 kits as I was looking into having some um, lo higher local labor to um, sew, the, sew the kits in Haiti, hiring local women to be able to distribute and take care of needs in their own country. So I went a little earlier than expected, hoping to set that up. And then I returned a year after that with a uh, thousand um, kits. And so 1,091 actually. Awesome. So um, yeah, it was very huge to be able to reach that goal with my community members and um, pretty full circle to sit in medical clinics that I had previously sat in before and women who had come in with infections and um, needing to be able to see a doctor that they hadn't seen, you know, it takes months to see a doctor. There's one doctor for every 10,000 Haitians. So um, being in that setting and then teaching the women because the Days for Girls kits not only are a kit that allows a woman to have the supplies she needs for three to five years, but every single kit is distributed with education about how our systems work and how to prevent infections and um, the, the beauty of our uteruses. It's just amazing how much the education is valued. And so to be able to teach the same women who were seeking medical treatment for either UTIs or yeast infections, um, to be able to teach them how to prevent some of those infections and also give them tools for hygiene was really uh, a full circle moment and something that I was really grateful to participate in. And of course, you don't just stop there. You know, as, as I was working in my community, other people were asking for, could, could they take kits to India? Could they take kits to Nepal? Could they take kits to uh, Guatemala? And so um, we filled orders for other organizations that had established relationships, either with a school or a church or an orphanage in different places. You know, so many places that I would have to look up on the globe, even I'm like, I don't know where Papua New Guinea is. I mean, I think I know, but I don't really. Um. <laughs> and so that's how my involvement with Days for Girls began and it expanded to include helping other teams to become successful as well. Um, other teams or chapters who want to sew for needs um, in and outside their community. Um, our team also included a feminine hygiene drive for local needs because menstrual needs aren't limited to over there, wherever oh, yeah. over there, right? It's oh, yeah. in our own. And we, so- we, um, we have poverty here. Absolutely. And we have um, lots of local middle schools and high schools that have needs, food banks, crisis centers, refugee centers, um, homeless shelters, they all have needs as well. And so um, through the course of expanding my, um, my network of people who are working in this same field, I was able to meet the founder of Days for Girls who had founded it in 2008. And she actually began Days for Girls in Kenya. And um, it started as she was working to have sustainable needs met for um, different groups in Kenya that she was working with. And when she discovered that feminine hygiene supplies were a huge need, she sought to figure out how to, to meet that need as well. And Days for Girls was born when, um, when she was able to supply an orphanage with disposable products, knowing that wasn't a long-term solution because you, 
you can't decide every month between food and a pad. If you yeah. if you have money, you're going to choose food, and that's going to be the right choice. But if you have to decide every month, um, people are going to choose food. And when she discovered that the girls in the orphanage had been exchanging sexual favors for maxi pads so that they could stay in school, she realized this wasn't just another sustainable. Um, solution that she would participate in, but it would be the focus of her life work. And so meeting Celeste was very inspiring, of course, as she um, started a project bigger than she was. And um, I have since then been able to travel pretty extensively with her to help support the structure of Days for Girls, because not only do we have chapters and teams in places like the US and Canada, New Zealand and England, Australia, where they're seeking to meet needs um, in developing or uh, developing countries, but in countries across the world, we have what's called enterprises. And enterprises are small businesses where women in different countries locally source goods and supplies and labor to make the Days for Girls kits for their own communities. And what's lovely about that model is not only does it provide um, uh, income for women who are sewing Days for Girls kits, they become ambassadors of women's health in their own communities and become leaders in their communities to teach about um, menstrual health and our bodies and hygiene and it's wonderful. So the travel that I was able to participate in with the founder is to support these enterprises in these country programs to be able to reach every girl everywhere period takes all of us. And so um, it's been, it's been a great pleasure to meet different people um, from Peru to Cambodia to you know, Kenya, Uganda, Guatemala. Um, it's just been such a pleasure to meet women and men all over the world who are passionate about women's health and, and supporting women in what they need every month. And that's how you met Lydia. Yes, Lydia is such a treasure and um, she's such a joy. And how I met Lydia was I went to Kenya um, to help support what was called the Red Line Campaign. In Kenya, there was a young girl who ended up taking her life after she'd been menstrual shamed at school. And so the leaders in Kenya said, no more, we're drawing a line, no more shame, no more lost days, no more lost dignity. We can do something about this. And so we went to um, Bomet County in Kenya and launched the Red Line campaign with the enterprise leaders in that area and went to a few different schools to really have everyone sign this pledge that they too were going to help end menstrual shame. And one of the schools that we went to was a school that Lydia works with. And this school I was so impressed with. They had hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of students and um, all so well, like they were so respectful and they had come up with poems and plays about menstruation and the girls that had the poems that Lydia actually coached and helped them with their dramatic presentation of was just so much fire and passion. It was awesome. And, and one of the things that impressed me about the school that Lydia works with as well is that they um, have a program for special needs kids. And that is not very common in, in most developing countries. Those that have special needs or needs that are extreme or different than others often end up being outcasts. And so to see 
uh, a whole section of her school that had children with special needs, um, both mentally and physically. And just the care that all the students had for them just warmed my heart. It just made me so happy. And um, after meeting her, she was just such a dynamic person and continued our friendship over social media. Um, I've realized how much she cares about her community and helping wherever she can. Yes, I, I'm, I am thoroughly, just like you, thoroughly impressed. She is tireless in meeting the needs. If anyone in her community hurts, she hurts. Right, absolutely. And um, one of the things that's wonderful is that she has been able to act as a vehicle for other people who can't necessarily be on the ground. They can't necessarily be right in that community where those needs exist, but she's able to facilitate those who have some abundance to share with those that have needs. And one of the first times that I interacted with her, um, it was, you know, it's during this COVID thing. And here where we live in the United States, we have, you know, money just being sent to us, right? Like, I'm not saying that there isn't economic needs, but I'm, but there yes. is some system to kind of support behind yeah. the scenes, those that have needs. And yeah. so, um, my, uh, some of my children had received some, some uh, stimulus checks and I thought, who, who has a stimulus check for those friends of mine in Cambodia and Uganda and Kenya and Guatemala and mm -hmm. Haiti, there's not, it doesn't exist. And so um, at the same time I was messaging Lydia and expressed the desire to, to share. And you know she had lined out how many families this amount of money would help and gave it accounting. In fact, she gave me a, a line by line accounting of all the food uh, down to the very last ounce. And then um, after that accounting, the next day she's like, oh, I forgot. And then I also got three tomatoes and the, um, <laughs> the details to which she accounted to the donor were, was really helpful that she knew that, that I needed to report back to my family, you know, how their donation was going to be spent and that she was willing to be accountable to it and shared with us pictures of those that received the, the donations. And so I just, the care that she has for, for people. Well, it reflects just, on her integrity too. Absolutely. She is genuine. She is sincere. She really wants to help. And she's commented and told me about how you've helped with providing those kits for girls that enables that that helps protect them and, and she sees that in her community. Them in school absolutely she sees that in her community because with the recent events people have become really aware of how scarce food is and so in a way sometimes menstrual needs seem to get shoved off to the side but we all know that periods don't pause for pandemics they keep no, they going do. And, um, and so those who maybe could have afforded different means before maybe find themselves in a situation where they can't. And um, the, the correlation between um, a period and being able to stay in school is probably apparent if, I hadn't really thought about it, but if you stop and think about it and realize if, if you had nothing and you were a teenage girl, you had no supplies. Would you go and sit in class for hours and hours and hours with nothing to be able to, to help with your menstruation? You wouldn't. And so what would you do? Your options would be to stay home. Some girls mm -hmm. stay home, sit on cardboard or, um, 
you know, grasses. Some girls even resort um, very resourcefully to using supplies to be able to try to stay in school, like bits of their mattress pad or corn husks or other materials that aren't really meant for absorbing menstrual flow and, and not very hygienic um, things that irritate the skin and cause, you know, a lot of friction. And so um, they'll either stay home or use supplies that are inappropriate causing infections, which make them stay home from school. And so the dropout rate between girls and boys, once they hit puberty is, is drastically different. And yeah. times, you know, you can imagine Emily that they don't um, say, Oh, I'm not at school today because of my period. Right. They're, no. they're not to say that <laughs> um, because we, as women, I think have this common thread where we maintain our dignity in the best way that we have. And, and so sometimes um, they don't realize that it's not lack of interest, but just lack of something as simple as a maxi pad that is keeping a girl from being able to turn around cycles of poverty in her community by staying yeah. in school and advancing in school. Um, one of the things that, I, again, I love about Days for Girls is that each kit is distributed with education. Um, it's it's pretty valuable to know how to use a pad in a way that's not going to cause infections, changing frequently, washing, sanitizing in the sun, things like that. But how empowering it is to realize that there is a cycle at play in your body and that there's no shame. In fact, yeah. that it, it's the method which we can have families. And, and one of the things that is really amazing is when um, you see girls realize like, the common thread that we all menstruate and you know even though we cramp and our stomach hurts our back might hurt we still go to school and we still do the laundry because we are women and some of these groups as we teach their shoulders you know get a little higher and they realize like yeah we are pretty tough we have this amazing muscle called a uterus that can expand to hold a baby and shrink back the size of a fist and how amazing it is and even empowering things like learning that the sex of your child is not determined by you as a woman. So there's no shame if you can't produce a male offspring, right? That's not up to your body. It's just the fastest swimmer. The fastest swimmer that gets to the egg um, wins the prize being male or female and that there's nothing you can do to influence that. And um, that's been a game changer for a lot of women. And I think that it's, a, it's amazing to be able to empower these girls who want to turn around cycles of poverty in their community, who want to try to provide something better than what they have right now, to be able to empower them to pass on that knowledge to their daughters and their friends. And each one of the girls then become ambassadors of women's health and share that knowledge with their own communities. And they go home to their mothers and their aunts and share what they learned and um, I remember sitting in a clinic in Haiti and uh, one woman raised her hand. She just said, thank you. We did not know this. We did not know. And, mm -hmm. and now we know. And same thing when I was in Cambodia, there was a woman in a class that was learning this so that she could teach her students. And she was probably in her late fifties and she was just shaking her head. She's like, I did not know any of this. I have not known this and I have had children. I have been married, I did not know. Um, something as simple as how many openings a woman has. You know, a lot of people, they think maybe two. I remember in Haiti, they're like, toi? Like three? Three? We have <laughs> yes, toi. Uh, we take so much for granted. We just, 
you know, we have these training programs in our schools and we just, but, but they, that isn't. And what a difference education makes. Oh, absolutely. And it is so empowering. It is empowering. One of the things we also teach with our Days for Girls curriculum is um, self-defense. In a lot of countries, it's not a matter of if, but when a girl will be attacked or assaulted by somebody else. And so we do teach some self-defense skills, but also we, we teach girls that sometimes you just have to choose to survive and that choosing to survive and that there's no shame if somebody does something to you against your choice, because there's a lot of taboos with that as well. And so it's interesting how menstruation kind of intersects a lot of other topics. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I, I remember reading uh, one case of a couple that had been married more than 20 years and the wife had been raped and the husband was convinced by his sons that he now had to leave his wife, that it was a shame for a man to live with a woman who had been raped. Yeah, right. And, and we see that starting to change as people become educated and um, in fact, one of the self-defense classes that was taught to, because we, we teach self-defense, but we also teach anatomy um, and show the girls like their anatomy and male's anatomy so that it, they're aware of what the differences are. Um, and one girl at, shortly after that had been walking, you know, using the buddy system, walking home with a girl um, and this man approached them and offered them a ride. And they're like, no, no, thank you. No, thank you. Well, eventually that girl dropped her friend off at her, her house, but she had to walk to her house. And the man grabbed her and pulled her into the ditch. And she had learned to know where you are strong and where somebody who might be attacking you is weak. And she utilized the soft parts of his anatomy and grabbed and pulled. <laughs> and it was his screams that brought the villagers running, not hers. So. <laughs> empowering for her to like know where he might be sensitive and and to take into her own hands and now that's not always possible right yeah um, oh yeah I love the fact it, that you're teaching them you know it was not that yeah there was so much shame well in her community then surrounded her and supported her and outcast him whereas previously in that community even just six months before a woman had been tried and I'm not sure what sentence she received, but because she was bound, um, she had been alone with another man, like he had come to her and she didn't want anything to do with it. And so she had been outcast and she had been punished. And so to realize that knowledge is power and it does actually yeah. change communities. And one of the things that is another intersection that we've discovered up in the Kesey area, which is the area that Lydia does a lot of work in, is in the, in the Kesey area, there's a lot of female genital cutting that takes place as a, as a, a rite of passage when a girl um, becomes a woman. And even though it's against the law, the laws haven't been able to stop um, this practice. It just kind of goes underground. And one of the things that when we went there and we're working with the leaders, um, we were able to talk to, to a woman from Kesey and she talked about how these classes, this education on um, women's bodies and how they're developed and how, um, how, they, how, how everyone menstruates, opens up a discussion, opens up conversations about things like the female genital cutting. 
And there was a woman there who said, this, this had been done to me when I was a girl, this was done to me. And now I make it my, my life choice to go and teach others about our bodies so that it doesn't have to be done to other girls. And so this education crosses over to more than just menstruation, as you can see with self-defense and, and the shame that sometimes comes when other things happen to us. And also realizing that um, you can change social, social taboos and social norms through education. And so a lot of the um, cutters are realizing that by cutting their daughters, their intent was to help their daughters maintain a husband and to um, keep that marriage bond. But it was actually preventing that from happening because it caused so much scarring and pain that intimacy became really difficult for a lot of these girls. And so then their husbands would seek intimacy elsewhere and then sometimes bring back AIDS and other um, sexually transmitted diseases to the girls. And so it, it's opened up these cross-section conversations that are really valuable for women to choose in for themselves. There's no outside law or outside pressure that could change this community's rite of passage practice. But yeah. with education, they can opt in themselves to choose something different. Again, the power of education to change lives. I love it. That is so empowering. <laughs> Kayla, you are engaged in the great work. So how do people support you? They can, I know Days for Girls has a, a website. I, I've donated to them. Thank I, you so I, I did donated to, to Lydia's or, you know. Yeah, so we have um, chapters or teams around the whole world. And mm -hmm. so chances are there's one, a chapter or team probably near you as a listener. So if you went to daysforgirls.org, you could look up organizations near you, chapters and teams, and support someone in your local community. And that could be a financial donation, or perhaps you have a little bit too much fabric in a closet somewhere, um, or sewing skills that you want to, to share. Um, donations are wonderful because they allow us to purchase things in bulk um, and at wholesale. But daysforgirls.org um, also has a donate button where you can donate to the global organization and that supports the enterprises in Kenya as well as Cambodia and Guatemala all over the world and um, that support local women taking care of the needs of their own communities and, and those programs. So um, there's a variety of ways to help. Um, I, and I think one of the things that is also useful is is realizing that you can help by becoming aware of the needs in your own community and, and reaching out to see what you can do to fulfill those needs as well. Because our motto at Days for Girls is to reach every girl everywhere, period. And that includes your own community and you can be a part of that. So thanks for asking because, you know, again, it's going to take all of us to reach the millions of women who every month have to figure out what they're going to do about their flow. Um, and it's a decision that some of us have the luxury of taking for granted. Now, when I donated through Days of Girls, I could specify where I wanted the kits to go. Can they also just make a general donation of wherever it's needed? Absolutely. It sounds like it's needed everywhere. <laughs> yeah, well, and it's nice though, to be able to have that option and to donate to an area that might have um, some fondness in your heart, right? Um, yeah. But you're also able to just donate to the general fund. And one of the things, having traveled with the founder and CEO, 
I do know that every decision that's made financially comes down to, you know, we have all sorts of currencies, right? You know, where we go from rubies to gourds to, you know, the shillings, things like that. We, we tend to use the conversion rate of kits. One kit is about 10 US dollars. So when we were in Cambodia, for example, we had the option to take a, a, a moped or a taxi to the airport. <laughs> we chose the less expensive option because we're like, that's two days for girls kits that we can get. <laughs> so yeah. one of the things that I love is the financial accountability that Days for Girls International, you know, I've actually been behind the scenes and see how everything is weighed out to is this, are we going to be able to leverage this to reach more girls? And so I think nowadays with dollars being very precious, you need to make sure that you donate to organizations that have some accountability towards those dollars and realize that yes. they are often, um, they come from a source of hard work or sacrifice. And so I just appreciate that Days for Girls really does care for the dollars that are in their stewardship to reach those girls. Okay. So I'm also going to direct people to your Facebook page because you, you are a very amazing woman who does many brilliant, wonderful things. And so you gave a TED Talk. I, I greatly respect that. So I'm going to leave a link to your TED Talk. And, that, and it was The Cost of Menstrual Shame. Brilliant TED Talk. Make sure you catch Kayla's talk. And Kayla, thank you so much for your time. Sure, appreciate you too and what you do to advance goodness in the world. And doesn't it take all of us with our unique flavor to, yes. to do that? Yes, we need all the positive energy out there we can get. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. Okay, you have a great day. Thanks, you too. Thanks for listening. I started this podcast with the goal of providing useful information to parents and families. I'd like to know how I'm doing. Please like and subscribe on whatever platform you're using, and then go to my website, hypnosis4motivation.com. Leave a comment and let me know what your greatest challenges are. Are there topics you'd like to learn more about that we haven't covered yet? How can we help meet your needs as a family member? Do you have a story to share that would help others? Reach out to me at hypnosisformotivation.com, use a number four. I'd love to hear from you.